The lesson this morning will be from Matthew 6, verses 9 through 15. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead them not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. It's time to dismiss our young... Thanks, Ron. We are in a sermon series that we're calling CORE, and we're talking about our vision and our values in life. And in life, there are challenging times for each and every one of us, and we enter into conversations and into places where it's very challenging for us. And as we go into those spaces and into those times, we can do it with fear, or we can do it with a confidence that comes from knowing our core values and, and what we believe in. And so in this sermon series, as we approach these challenging times that, that have always been that way, and they are in many respects more challenging than ever before, we're doing a series of sermons that talk about what's at our core. When I come into this place, I can come into it with confidence because I know these truths. In the first week, we talked about how Christ is our focus. And so as we enter into all the challenges of life, we keep our focus not on the issues of the day, but on Christ. And then we, in week two, we talked about how the Bible is our foundation. We always step from truth. We, we step from a foundation that is built. We have an agreement that we're going to let God speak into these situations. And then last week, Randy talked to us about how discipleship is important to each one of us. And discipleship is our calling. And so as we walk through life, our or simply our goal is to find Jesus and to follow him and to walk with him and to call other people into that pathway, into that presence. And today we're going to talk about how prayer is our priority and how that is a foundational, a core issue that guides us and directs us and brings peace into times that are not perfect. Prayer is our priority. If you ask most children, what is, is prayer? Uh, Back in Bible Hour right now, I imagine many of the children would say, prayer is talking to God. And that would be a pretty good definition. It's how many of us view it, especially when we're early on in our, our faith. It is talking to God. Me talking, God listening. It's not a conversation with God. It's, it's simply talking to God. It's one directional. And because of that, it is request-driven. You know, I come to God with these requests. Today, though, I hope I can challenge each of us to think of prayer as a time of coming into the presence of God. And when I come into the presence of God, I'm changed. For a church family, we want to be a church family where prayer is a priority, coming into that presence of God and being changed such a blessing to be a part of a church family of this size, to, to look around, and, and I know many of you, and I know what's been going on in some of your lives, and it's just good to be together. We also miss some of those who have gone on before us, and as I was studying and preparing for this, I couldn't help but think of one of our former members, died about 
uh, four years ago, John Norman. Many of you remember John. John is quite the character, married to Glendale, who is now just turned 98 years old and sitting right back there by her daughter Kathy. You know, John was a very special person. They were married 73 years when he died. They were married on May 5th, 1942, and they told their parents a few days later. <laughs> Not recommended, but it certainly worked for them, 73 years together. John is very memorable among those of us who've been around a while. He could be a trickster. Like right after they married, he brought home two baby skunks and convinced Glendale that they were just two black and white kittens. <laughs> when John was four, he had an accident that, uh, where he lost his sight in one eye and eventually had to have it removed, and he had a glass eye. Brenda Gordon and Dana Soros used to take our children over to see John and Glendale, uh, and they'd take them cookies, and, and they were just a wonderful joy. The kids would sing to them. And then John would take out his glass eye for the kids, and they thought that was way cool, or they were really grossed out, one of the others. John was also our candy man here at church, and for many years, you remember him back there with his walker, and he had a little apron around it, and he would pull out candy and, and give to our kids. John was a special person, and there's a lot of memories we have of John. But if you were to ask his girls, his kids, about John, one of their greatest memories is of John and his prayers. John knew what he wanted to communicate with God, and he said it often. It was a prayer that many, many recognized. Prayers like, help us to walk in the paths of righteousness, or through him and by thy grace and mercy we have hope of eternal life with thee. Most of us close our eyes when we pray, but that prayer became so special to them, many times his girls would video his prayer. And I asked if I could share a video clip of John praying. This prayer is actually when John's 95 years old, six weeks, about six weeks before he passed. You, if you look close, you'll notice he's sitting in his wheelchair at the, at the table. And he's praised this prayer. Watch this video. Our Father in heaven, we thank thee again for this day and the blessings of life. We're thankful for all thy goodness and mercies toward us. And we're thankful for life for the health and happiness and the comforts that you've blessed us with. And most of all, Father, we're thankful for thy son who suffered and died for us. Through him and by thy grace and mercy, we have hope of eternal life with thee. Forgive us our sins and help us to walk in paths of righteousness. Be with our loved ones that life and be well with them. Be with all those who are hurting that they may be healed and may be comforted. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's a man of prayer. And we want to be people of prayer. People who go into conversation with God on a regular basis. And in that presence, we become changed people. It's a time of stepping into the presence of God. Jesus knew prayer was so important for his disciples, he teaches them about it in Matthew chapter 6. And before he gives that model prayer, he says in verse 5, And when you pray, people have observed that with Jesus, he's assuming that his disciples will be people of prayer. He is assuming that I'm going to pray and that you're going to pray. And so what is Jesus' concept of prayer, and what does he prioritize about prayer? 
And he, in a few verses later, he takes us into what we call the, the model prayer. Books have been written of this prayer and sermon series preached. But we're just going to take one portion of it. Let's look at Matthew 6, verses 9 and 10. Jesus says, this, is, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bible class teacher one asked her little child in her class, Bobby, do you pray every night? Bobby's response was, no. Some nights I don't want anything. I want to emphasize one special part of this prayer and build from this concept. And that is when Jesus says we should pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That should be our focus. That, sh that should be the role of prayer in that it, it, it brings God into this world through us. Through prayer, God works in our lives to conform our will to His. It's not just about going to Him because we want something. It is about Him coming into our lives and into this world and His will being done. Being in the presence of God transforms my life. And through prayer, God conforms our will to His will. And then we get to be instruments of His will here on this earth. Because when you come into the presence of God, you will be, I will be transformed. That's true all through the Bible. When you go into prayer, it changes how you see things, and it changes how you act. For example, in Matthew 5, verses 43 through 44, Jesus said, You've heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus knew that prayer changes how we see things, see a person. When we pray about those that are even hurting us and persecuting them, us, we see them as a person created by God instead of as the devil incarnate. I mean, it changes. So with me, do I pray to change God or to allow God to change me? There's a big difference. Many of us have had to drive in fog on several different occasions, and it's pretty disconcerting because you can't really see anything, and, and you wonder if the sun's still shining. And maybe that journey of driving in the fog is in the morning as you drive to the airport, and you have to take, take so long to get there. But you get there, you get on an airplane, and the airplane takes off in the fog, and then all of a sudden it breaks out of it and into the sunlight, and the sun is shining. You just have a different perspective. And with God, oftentimes we walk through the fog, through the valley of the shadow of death. But by coming to God in prayer, He takes us to a new perspective. Why would we want to journey on our own perspective alone? Jeremiah put it this way in Jeremiah 33, verse 3. God says, Call to me, and I will answer you, and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. And so when we come into the presence of God and we call on His name, He shows us things that we can't know. It's a different perspective. It's God's perspective. And so God's will being done should be our priority in prayer. We yield our will to God's will. 
Now, to make this point, let's go with Jesus into the Garden of Gethsemane and watch how he lives this out before us as we look at this concept of my will or God's will. Matthew 26, beginning in verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Would you agree that when you are troubled and filled with sorrow, that that's a good time to, to go to God in prayer? It certainly is, and definitely it's a good time for Jesus. For many of us, that's normally the time we do go to God in prayer, and sometimes about the only time we go. There is no better time to go to God in prayer than when you are troubled and sorrowful. And Jesus is a great example of it being a time to go to the Father in prayer. Verse 38, Then he said to them, Peter, James, and John, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. There's a lot of insights in this little story about Jesus as well as Peter, James, and John. Can you imagine Jesus, who you've walked with, you're his disciple, you've been following him, and he calls you his friend. And as he goes off to pray, he asks you to come with him. And he he opens up his heart to you and says, my my soul is overwhelmed, so much so that it feels like it's crushing me, that I'm going to die. And so would you stay here with me? Would you be near me and watch with me? Watch with me in this time. Verse 39, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. What a beautiful expression from Jesus. And Jesus not only has opened his heart up to Peter, James, and John, now he opens it up to his father. And he tells him, here's what I ask. I bring a request. If possible, may this cup be taken from me. But as you look at those words, tell me, what does Jesus want most of all? Jesus brings his want to to God. And what does Jesus want most? That God's will be done. That's top priority, and it's a great example for us. And he prays this prayer, and then he feels, he gets up, and he's going to go back to those three the three closest to him. Verse 40, Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Wow, what a statement from Jesus. Do you know the feeling? Tell me, do you think Peter wanted to stay awake? Sure. Did Peter want to keep watch with Jesus? Absolutely. Did Peter want to do what Jesus wanted him to do? Of course. Then what's the problem? James, the brother of Jesus, talks about when our desires don't match our actions because we are weak people. And he goes on to tell us what's missing. James chapter 4, verse 2. 
You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. What did Peter want? And what he did was fall asleep instead of tapping into the power of God. So Jesus looks at him, James and John, and, and says in verse 41, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And there's the struggle. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. So watch and pray. And Jesus leaves them and goes back and he prays again in verse 42. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. It's all about God's will. And then he makes the journey back. He walks over to where Peter, James, and John are. And when he came back in verse 43, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were, were heavy. Here are these three that Jesus has said, watch with me while I pray. Not, don't let anything sneak up on me. And not only watch with me, pray as well. My question is, were the three watching out for Jesus or was Jesus watching out for them? Who was watching out for whom? Verse 44, so he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. And then in verse 45, he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. What they were to watch for has now arrived, only they didn't see it. Jesus did. And the ones that were asked to watch with him fell asleep, and he watched for them. They didn't notice, but Jesus did. And Jesus not only was watching, but he is now ready to do God's will. But Peter, on the other hand, is still thinking he'll do it his will, his way. And so when they're arrested, what, is, what does Peter do? He pulls a sword and he tries to attack. And what does Jesus do? He walks in peace to the cross. I'm just captured by this, my will or God's will. Peter, James, and John, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And the contrast, Jesus, yet not as I will, but as you will. What a contrast between Jesus and Peter. And what a contrast between Jesus and me. One walks in turmoil and to the challenges ahead. And one walks with peace. And the difference? A prayer asking that God's will be done. Coming into the presence. Jesus would say in Matthew 7, 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. You see, prayer introduces us to the power of God's will. If you want the power to live and face life's challenges, then make prayer a priority. And when I pray, I experience God's renovating power in my life. And I receive God's perspective. And I follow God's will. Prayer should be our priority. 
Jesus presented his request and found himself protected by peace. Peter and John found themselves pressured by the world, and instead of praying, that pressure put them to sleep, caused them to have heavy eyes. Jesus, because of that prayer, turning to the Father, discovered God's will and God's perspective. And he could walk into those moments not in a fog, but with peace, knowing the direction of God's will. Both Jesus and Peter and James and John were going into challenging times, the most challenging times of their lives. But they walked into that challenge with a different perspective, with a difference. We have not promised that we don't have challenging times in front of us. I would imagine for some of us the most challenging times we've ever faced in life are, are in the next few steps. It's the days and weeks and months ahead. And it's fine to pray and ask God that you not have to drink that cup. But know what you want most. And want what Jesus wanted most. And that is to do God's will, to let God's will enter into that space and time. Many years ago when I was a child, I first heard the poem by Annie Flint called What God Hath Promised. It goes like this, God hath not promised skies always blue, flower-strewn pathways all our lives through. God hath not promised sun without rain, joy without sorrow, peace without pain. But God hath promised strength for the day, rest for the labor, light for the way. Grace for the trials, help from above, unfailing sympathy, undying love. There are challenges in front of us, and we're going to have to walk through them. Will we walk through them in a fog, or will we walk through them with peace, knowing that we're doing and following God's will in life? Making prayer a priority is so vital. And when we do, we can yield our will to God's will. And to do that, we can do that every night. It doesn't have to just be the nights we want something from God. It is coming into the presence of God so that I can yield my will to His. And I can allow His will to enter into my life and into this world. What a powerful thought. Well, as we, about, as we wrap up, I want to just give you one simple piece of advice for those of us who might find ourselves in a rut in prayer. I heard this piece of advice years ago, and it still resonates with me. Don't evaluate the success of your prayer life on the answers you want, but on the time in communion with God. And when you pray and come into the presence of God, you will be changed. Some of the funnest ministry I ever was blessed to do was my years as a campus minister right here at Edmond. And for college students, at least then, and I think still now, Songs really speak loudly to us. And, and singing songs is so powerful, and worship and praise to God, but also an encouragement to us. In my years in campus ministry, we sing a song. I haven't heard it recently. Maybe they still sing it. I'm not for sure. But it was simply titled, Change Me, Lord. And it went like this. To come into the presence of the Lord is to be changed. You cannot come into his presence and remain the same. So change me, Lord. Remake me, Lord. And mold me in the image of your Son. So change me, Lord. Remake me, Lord. Till Father, Son, and Spirit 
we are one. Make prayer a priority because you cannot come into the presence of the Lord and not be changed. It's not about my will. It's His will. So what do you want most when you pray? Be like Jesus and want God's will to be done. I hope prayer is a priority for you as an individual and it remains a core for us as a church family. In just a few moments, we're going to offer an invitation. You're going to have an opportunity to respond and we would love to pray with you and for you that God's will be done in your life for whatever the journey, wherever the journey is headed. You'll also notice a couple of our shepherds and their wives making their way to the parlor. If you'd like a more intimate and private setting, they would be more than happy to receive you there and to pray with you. Make prayer a part of your life. And it doesn't just have to be at this time. I mean, if prayer is a priority, have you ever thought what it would look like? I mean, if we want God's will to enter into this world, maybe it's you're talking with a friend in a moment, you say you're going to pray for them, and you just step aside in the hall and you pray. Or you're talking to somebody at your child's baseball game and they say a need and you just pray and allow God to enter into that space. You're talking to somebody on the phone and you tell them you want to pray for them. Pause. You know you can pray over the phone. Allow God's will to enter this world in a way that it is not before. We've prayed today, and aren't you glad? But prayer is not just for Sundays. May we live our lives coming into the presence of God and being changed. For those of you here today that have never given your life to Christ in baptism, I hope that you will submit your life to Him. Confess Him as Lord of your life, to wash those sins away in the water of baptism, and to be that new person. We call you. You're invited to come. As together we stand and sing.